superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here along with Pat Fitzmorris and Billy Muzio. And today is our ranking show. We'll be going through the Fantasy Pros ranking tiers for week two. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. Pat, Billy, how did week one go for you? You know, not the best week one for me. I was in Vegas doing some high stakes drafts in the hotel room, but the model gets better over time. The more data points that we get and the more projections that we can kind of finalize, uh, we should see some better results as we continue to get to those numbers in. So looking forward to week two, analyzing the numbers, getting them input into the data sheet, and we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, it was a decent week with rankings, but as far as my actual teams, uh, not so good. I think Drake London is probably my most rostered player. And, uh, you know, so I was getting a donut hole on a lot of those teams. I think I only won one of my Drake London games. So, uh, yeah, tough start to the week but uh, or, or to the season advance. And, uh, you know, let's let's just get the bad taste out of our mouths and go on to week two here. I feel you on that. I had a Drake London Dallas Goddard combination that was painful. Uh, yeah, I clearly lost that game, right? Did not have the Tyreek Hill to compensate for it. All right, guys, we are going to go ahead and jump into the running back rankings. By the way, guys, our consensus rankings can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. So make sure you go check that out after the show to see all of the expert rankings. And we will start off here with the S tier. And it is a very small tier, but despite it being a small tier, we do have a, a little controversy here. In the S tier, we've got Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb. So yes, small, literally two guys. But uh, with Nick Chubb, we've got a little difference of opinion here. ECR has Nick Chubb as RB2, Pat has him as RB3, and Billy, you've got him as RB6. How are you feeling about Nick Chubb? I like Nick Chubb as a player a lot. I'm actually surprised he came down this low inside the model this week. But um, looking at the implied totals, uh, we have a, an implied total of 20.75 for Cleveland. They are you know uh, one and a half point favorites. So we have an over under of 40 this week. Um, we did see him get pulled um, in in the fourth quarter last week because um, of, of of the game and 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 the score being out of hand. Um, had he stayed in longer, of course, we could have seen a bigger game out of him. Um, 18 carries last last week, 106 yards. Um, I think that that's what we're going to see consistently out of him. Uh, it's just going to break down to touchdowns and where he's going to land inside of the weekly projections. Uh, without a touchdown and without a uh, week one like we saw last week where just kind of a lack of scoring across the board, um, then this number is going to be, um, I think, more in line of the five, six, seven running back range. If he gets the touchdown there, then we're talking about a top three running back every week. So um, don't like the implied total is what it breaks down to me from a number standpoint, um, but love the player and love his ability. You know, he's the best peer rusher in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, I think um, it's CMC is the clear running back one this week. And then I think it's a pretty flat tier with uh, Bijan Robinson, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, and Austin Eckler. Um, you know, better matchups maybe for Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley than for Nick Chubb this week going against the Steelers. But, um, you know, like Chubb had 18 carries and four catches in week one. And as Billy mentioned, he really wasn't playing much in the last 10 minutes when they just sort of let Jerome Ford salt away a, a lopsided game. Um, all four of those catches for Nick Chubb in the first half, and I think that's usage that Chubb investors should be really delighted with because if he can just catch two or three passes a game, I mean, that's going to spike his value even more, and, and you've already got that really high floor with Chubb's rushing ability. So, um, yeah, I mean, not a great matchup necessarily against the Steelers here, but the usage is going to be premium always for Nick Chubb. So uh, pretty confident putting him as a top three running back this week. Any concerns around an uptick in pass volume? I know it wasn't fantastic last week. There were weather concerns. Do we see Deshaun Watson getting back on track and maybe that affecting the volume for Nick Chubb? Maybe. I mean, what, one of the things, like the, the Browns lost 
Jack Conklin, their right tackle. And I, I think, um, I believe it's Dewan Jones who's going to be the replacement there. And I have a feeling they'll they'll be a little more uh, confident in Jones as a run blocker than as a pass blocker in his first NFL start. So um, I don't know. I, I think they're going to probably still try, strive for offensive balance. How about you, Billy? Yeah, speaking to what Pat mentioned, if we can see that involvement in the passing game, I think that that uh, concern is 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 not going to be an issue. Um, that's something that Nick Chubb just hasn't done in his career is catch a lot of passes. Um, with the departure of Kareem Hunt, we were hoping to see more, um, but the Browns have just never fully committed that way. So I don't know if they were waiting for Jerome Ford to get um, more acclimated to the NFL speed, get kind of worked in before they give him a little bit more. But um, if we can expect anything like we saw last week out of Nick Chubb, then them moving to a pass heavier approach would not scare me off of him uh, because we probably anticipate seeing a few more catches in the season. Moving on to the eight here, you know, as Pat mentioned, not a lot of controversy there. You've got Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Bijan Robinson, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, Travis Etienne, Josh Jacobs, Kenneth Walker, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones. It's a pretty good, good group. It's hard to really disagree on anything there. Um, we do have some controversy in the B tier. We'll dive into that one real quick. But before we do that, Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instant in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. ccdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, guys. Diving into that B tier. Um, a good tier here. We've got David Montgomery, Ramondre Stevenson, Jameer Gibbs, James Cook, Alexander Madison, Damon Pierce, Rashawn White, Isaiah Pacheco, and Najee Harris. I mentioned that we do have a little bit of controversy here um, on multiple ends. We'll start off with uh, David Montgomery who is um, controversy not between you two guys. You seem to be in agreement, but ECR is feeling a lot more confident about him, has him at RB13. Pat, you've got him at RB20. Billy, you've got him at RB18. Yeah, it seems like this is kind of an overreaction with the ECR to the strong first game that Montgomery had against the Chiefs. He's certainly playable every week. And yes, uh, pretty good week two matchup against the Seattle run defense that was just really bad in 2022. But I don't know that Monty is getting 20-plus carries every week uh, the way he did against the Chiefs in Week 1. I'm sure we're going to see the Jameer Gibbs role expand a little bit. And Monty had zero involvement in the passing game. No targets for David Montgomery in Week 1. So um, that's going to limit the weekly upside. I just think running back 13 is a little bit uh, optimistic for him in Week 2. Yeah, I agree with Pat here. I mean, we love to see the volume that we saw David Montgomery last week. He saw 63.6% of the rush share. Um, and, you know, he's projected to probably close to 50% this week. I, I think it's a big overreaction. Uh, we also heard from Campbell himself that they wanted to kind of ease in Jameer Gibbs and that they wanted him to get acclimated with the NFL speed. I think we can expect to see a little bit more of him this week because he only saw 21% of the rush share, but he looked explosive. It reminded me of a young Jamal Charles. And so when we see that type of, of athleticism on the field, it's going to be hard to keep him underneath 30, 40% of the rushing share. So I expect to see this, 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 this total of pie kind of close the gap a little bit more. And I expect a little bit more of like a 50, 40 split here. And then the remaining going to the, the other, ancillary pieces uh yeah, i was gonna say that um 
you know, looking at that split that they had in terms of rush and pass last week against uh, against Kansas City, do we kind of expect it to tilt a little bit? Because we saw, you know, a pretty good performance versus that Seattle defense in terms of the pass volume that Matt Stafford was able to get a great performance from Puka Nakua. Um, could we see like an uptick here for Jared Goff and um, Amon Ross St. Brown? Yeah, I, I think that we'll see an uptick in in passing just in general. It was just a low scoring game. It's the it's week one jitters that are out of the way, um, and and I think that you can start to see offenses get comfortable in their schemes. Um, the thing with David Montgomery though that was surprising was we didn't see a single target, and um, that's where I'm alarmed. You know, if had he seen his you know typical six eight percent target share, I think I'd be more comfortable with him in that RB thirteen range. But um, he saw zero percent of the target share last week, and and in a game where we expected to see at least some involvement in the passing game uh, and Jameer Gibbs only saw 6.2% of the target share. So they just didn't even have the running backs in the game plan for, for passing. And so I, I want to see what they do week two. This is where we talk about the model getting better because we have a little bit more data points and we can understand a little bit more about the offenses and the trends. Um, but, Zero percent is a little bit alarming, um, especially given that he's caught, you know, 30, 40 balls in his career. Um, and I would hope to see that that number increase here as time goes on. Moving on to the next one, we've got Najee Harris. There's a bit of a difference here. Um, the ECR for Najee Harris is RB21. Pat, you've got him RB13. Billy, you're more on track with ECR at RB24. I'm nervous about this one because, you know, like all throughout draft season, the really sharp people have been much lower on Najee Harris than I was. And, uh, you know, Billy's very sharp. And so um, now we're in season. And once again, I'm I'm higher than uh, the sharp folks on Najee Harris. So my case for Najee in week three, Tara, and I'm I'm sure you'll agree this is an ironclad case, um, is that Kenny Pickett was pretty terrible in week one against the 49ers and that bad home loss. And um, and now they've got no Deontay Johnson. Uh, hamstring injury. He's going to be out for a while. I think it's going to set up for a pretty run-heavy or at least balanced game plan for Pittsburgh this week against the Browns. And by the way, the Browns were pretty bad against the run last year, gave up the fifth most rushing yards to running backs and the sixth most fantasy points to running backs. In two games against Cleveland last year, Najee Harris had 15 carries, 56 yards, and one touchdown in the first game, 23 carries, 80 rushing yards, one touchdown in the second game, four combined catches in those two games. And in the first of those two games, I mean, Najee was, that was week three, still dealing with the list Frank injury that kind of slowed his performance early on in the year. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just think that based on Deontay Johnson being out, like, Pittsburgh almost has to go run heavy in this game. So I think Najee's going to get a lot of work, and I think he's going to be effective against kind of a shaky run D. Billy, what are the concerns for you? Concerns for me are overall workload. And so in the past, Najee has been very dependent upon um, one of the largest opportunity shares in the NFL. We're talking about top three, top five on on on, on back-to-back seasons. Um, that projected workload is no longer there now with Jalen Warren's involvement. Um, we saw a carry share of 60% last week, which is still pretty high. Jalen Warren saw 30%. But here's where the, the, the big difference was, was inside the passing game, where Najee had typically dominated touches as a running back. He only saw 4.4% of the target share last week, where J- Jalen Warren saw 13.3%. So if we can continue to see that type of involvement in the passing game from Jalen Warren. I think that that's going to eat into Najee Harris's ceiling quite a bit on a week-to-week basis. Um, we also take a look again at the implied totals. We're only talking about an over-under of 40 in this game. It's an interdivision game. Teams are typically a little stout against uh, interdivision opponents, and so expect Cleveland and Pittsburgh to be um, kind of a grinding game, and I, I don't think that Najee is going to be um, running all over them. Um, I know that they have some opportunities, in, uh, but the Cleveland defense looked pretty stout last week. Moving on to the C tier, um, we're going down there. We're getting into that kind of shaky range here. We've got Miles Sanders, Jamal Williams, who had a bad outing last week, James Conner, Raheem Mostert, Javante Williams, and Brees Hall. This is the kind of questionable injury, bad team tier. Um, and we've got James Conner here that I kind of want to pull out and talk about the differences that we've got in this uh, matchup. Uh Pat, you've got him as RB27. Billy, you're at RB14. And ECR has him at RB24. 
I think I need to defend this one, right? I gotta go first, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, yeah. <laughs> um, this one just, this one is a pure number standpoint for me. I just, I'm not crazy about James Conner as, as a talent. I think, you know, he's had um, a pretty good career. Um, but when we look at last week's numbers, he dominated touches. And we're talking about 56% of the, of the carry share in the backfield. And the big one was 16.7% target share, um, where his fellow backmate, Keontae Ingram, saw 0% in that category and only 20% of the carry share um, for the backfield. So um, if we can see this type of volume moving forward, this is, this is like elite level volume from a running back. Um, I know the offensive line is sketchy at best, and we're probably talking about negative game scripts on a week-to-week basis. So the the carry share is probably going to be a non-determining factor, but that target share, if you can continue to see a plus 13, 14%, I don't expect to see 16.7 every week, but if we can see double-digit target share week in, week out, that's going to prop his floor up pretty significantly. And even in the worst of matchups against some of the best teams, he's going to have some valuable weeks just based on volume. So think about what I said about Najee on the last discussion about that volume kind of propping up his fantasy value. Similar, similar instance here with James Conner, and they can be as bad as they want. But if he's getting this type of volume, he's going to be in, in the mix any given week as a high end RB2. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from on this one, Billy. And, um, you know, like the guiding principle for rankers and more important for people setting their fantasy lineups every week and, and making waiver claims is to follow the volume. Like that should be the North Star for fantasy managers in making these decisions. And I know the usage is going to be ample for James Conner. I mean, 14 carries and uh, five catches in week one. But I do worry that with the Cardinals, it's just going to be empty volume. We know they're not going to score a lot of touchdowns. Um, 19 touches for James Conner in week one netted him 60 yards. He had five catches for eight yards. And and um, I mean, I... Right now, I have James Conner ranked ahead of Zach Moss for week two. But man, if I was put to the test on that, I'd be really tempted to play Moss over Conner. And and Moss is probably walking into 15 plus carries against the always terrible Texans run defense. So um, like as much as I want to follow the volume here, Billy, I'm just worried about, uh, you know, volume being sort of meaningless with the Cardinals. Oh man, I kind of lean on on Billy's side there. I mean, you know, volume. I, I I get it where volume can be meaningless. Any concerns around? Um, are we going to see Josh Dobbs this week? What if we were? What if we got a miracle uh, hail mary and we saw Clayton Tune this week? Would that make any adjustments in the rankings for either one of you guys? I would love to see Clayton Tune because I think at this point you at least get a, a chance to see what you got in the kid. Um, and Hey, if, if he looks better than anyone expected and you still get the number one picks, you can flip him for a pick next year. Um, so to me, it doesn't make any sense to play Dobbs from a, like a GM perspective, but I'm just a lowly ranker here inside the fantasy world. And, um, and so I, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to call the shots for the Arizona Cardinals, but I think that at least the rookie gives him a little bit more upside because we kind of know what Dobbs is at this point in his career. Clayton Tude could come in and surprise people. You know, he got the Howell effect, the Purdy effect. You just never know what's going to happen with, 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 with a kid who comes in and the NFL maybe misvalued him as a prospect. So I would love to see what he could do. And, and I think it'd be a spark for the offense. Same. I, I want to see him, but I don't think he would make any discernible difference in the potency of the Cardinals offense. I still think they'd be pretty uh, impotent regardless. What about the matchup here with the Giants defense? Obviously, last week, Washington, much improved defense, a little bit stout. Maybe that was part of the issue there. The Giants, uh, I mean, the the takeaways from last week are a little bit difficult considering how the uh, Cowboys kind of laid into them. But um, should this be a better matchup for him in general? Yeah, I, I think so. I'm Any week one, we see people kind of get the jitters out. And teams adjust. That's both sides of the ball. Even even teams as bad as Arizona will adjust. Um, and they'll look at maybe the lone bright spot they had in an offense and they'll lean into it, um, which in turn will open up other parts of the offense. And so I do think that we can expect to see a, a little bit improved um, efficiency from from James Conner perspective. You know, the line that Pat threw out is, was pretty disgusting. Um, but you know, not a high over under. We're talking about an over under forty this this game. Implied total for Arizona is eighteen. Um, so if we're going to hit this 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 RB fourteen mark, we're we're going to need um, Connor to be heavily involved. Yeah, I'm not fearful of the Giants' defense, but sometimes we do see teams come out really um, like 
irritated after they get embarrassed. And uh, the Giants were truly embarrassed, 40 to nothing at home in their season opener. Um, I would expect to see that defense maybe breathing a little fire in week two. Before we jump into the D tier here, just a reminder, guys, if you want a chance to win a signed Tyreek Hill Miami Dolphins jersey, courtesy of bettingpros.com, your place to start betting smarter, not harder. You need to subscribe to the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below on this video, and that's it. We'll be announcing the winner right here on the channel, so make sure you turn on those notifications so you can be alerted when new episodes are up and to claim your prize. All right, diving into the D tier. There's some interesting names in here. I don't hate the D tier as much as maybe, you know, ECR does um, with several of these guys. We've got some injury concerns in here. We've got Kenneth Gainwell at the top. Obviously, we're not going to talk about that one, unfortunately, because we have got updates that more than likely he is not going to play. Although maybe we can hit on that for a second real quick since that um, came in today. Um DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny, guys, are you feeling like you're going to be moving either one of these guys up significantly in your rankings? I wouldn't say significantly, but I do think that any time there is uh, a back in the mix that's pulled uh, from the overall pie volume that we have to adjust accordingly. Um, I think Swift is going to be the one who's going to move up the most. We saw Penny as a as a healthy scratch last week. Um, and with Swift, we know he has the ability to catch the ball and, of course, run the ball. But we, we, we do think that um, the volume last week was kind of unanticipated. We expected to see a little bit more out of him. Um, the word on the street today from the coaching staff was that you're going to see weeks like that, that there's going to be game plans where he's going to be heavily involved and game plans where he's not going to be heavily involved. And that's not something you want to hear as a fantasy manager. But when you have a consolidated backfield like this week, this is the week we're going to throw him in our lineups because we now know there's you know possibly no gain well, and that's going to open up a lot more of the opportunity share for him to utilize. And so I think that this is the week, if any, that we're going to move him up the rankings and we're going to utilize him in our lineups. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by Swift this week. Uh, we like this matchup, I think, against the Minnesota Vikings. And I just don't know how much we can trust Penny after he was a healthy scratch in week one. But Swift, one thing that was really interesting was how often the Vikings blitzed in week one. They were like truly blitz happy. And the way you defeat a blitz is with screen passes. And we know that the no team targeted their running backs in the passing game less than the Philadelphia Eagles did last year. It was like 61 targets for the entire season to their running backs. But man, you go out and you get DeAndre Swift in the offseason, and the thing DeAndre Swift does best is catch passes out of the backfield. So I wonder if they're going to use him a lot more, get him more involved in the passing game this week, and uh, maybe take advantage of the Vikings if they choose to be blitz-happy again. And it also helps they have the second highest over under the week, too. So implied total, we can expect to see some yep. scores. Very true. If we see nothing out of Penny, are you cutting him immediately? I didn't draft him this year. I've been burned so many times. I was kind of a Penny freaker <laughs> out of college. And, you know, 2021 was a great run down the stretch when he was RB1 for like the final four or five weeks, um, even outscoring JT. But we know that Penny just can't stay healthy. And, um, you know, when he's healthy and on the field, he's one of one of the best rushers, honestly, but he just can't stay healthy, can't stay on a field and um, healthy scratch is never a good sign to us, a new start and on a new team. And so um, I'm, I'm out on Penny and, and even in the most desperate of situations, he's going to stay on my bench this week. Yeah, I'm cutting if he doesn't do anything with Gainwell out for sure. All right. Remainder of the D tier. We've got Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier with the big game last week, Dalvin Cook. With the interesting situation now with Aaron Rodgers out for the season, Samaj P. Ryan sharing the back field with Javante Williams, A.J. Dillon, Gus Edwards, and Khalil Herbert. Dalvin Cook is the one that I want to pull out and talk about right here, guys. Um, UCR has him at RB31. Billy, you're right there in line with RB32. And Pat, you are not a Dalvin Cook fan this week at RB39. I'm mostly a big Brees Hall fan, Daryl. I mean, he's he's miles better than Dalvin Cook. That's just a simple fact. I mean, he's a special player, and Brees Hall looked pretty terrific in his first game back from a torn ACL. Now, I know Cook's going to be involved because the Jets do not want to give Brees Hall, you know, 20 carries every week. Coming off the injury, I think they're going to ramp him up sort of slowly. Um, but without Aaron Rodgers, the Jets have to figure out how to move the ball um, you know, without a top flight passing game. And Brees Hall is a much better solution to that problem than Dalvin Cook is. 
How about you, Billy? Are you, I mean, you're right online. Is there, you're just feeling okay with him or is there any pessimism? What, where, how, which way are you leaning? There's definitely pessimism. Um, I did not expect to see Brees Hall as involved as we saw him last week. Um, I was expecting to see him kind of slowly introduced back into the fold, um, not rushing him back off that knee injury. But I mean, he looked great. I mean, he definitely looked like he lost maybe a small step um, in speed wise, but that'll come back in time. Uh, but from a overall like opportunity share, this was split a lot closer than I anticipated. So Dalvin cook saw 46.4% of the carry share race hall saw 35.7, um, target share was, was 16.7 Dalvin cook 11.1%, um, to Brace hall. I think these numbers are going to continue to get closer and closer and closer as the season progresses. And eventually Brace hall is going to take over on these numbers. Um, so week one, not a good look for Dalvin cook. That should have been the week that he was the most, uh, involved and had the most of the opportunity. Um, we're going to continue to see that decline and decline and decline. So I'm with Pat here. I'm just a Brace Hall fan. Um, and if we can continue to see that type of involvement early and often, then I think it's it's not looking good for Dalvin Cook. I'm with you guys. I, I will say I am slightly coming around to the thought that Dalvin might be just a little bit better than ECR, um, purely based off the thought that unfortunately we're now without Aaron Rodgers. And we've got Zach Wilson for the foreseeable future. We did have, you know, Robert Sala come out and say, this is our quarterback. Now, granted, we do know that, you know, they're making calls to veteran quarterbacks. But with Zach Wilson at the helm, it's tough to imagine that they push any level of pass volume. And this might just be something that they attack aggressively on the ground. Um, If they kind of teeter towards, you know, not even letting Zach Wilson hit 20 attempts and they just try to push as much on the ground as possible. Is there a reality in which you can see Dalvin cook, you know, panning out a little bit better? Uh, No, they're playing Dallas. Dallas is just going to run them over. I mean, we saw what they did to the giants last week over under this week is 41 and a half implied total for the jets is 17. There's if they, if they try to just pound the ball, I mean, this, this Dallas defense is just going to stuff them and they're going to force them to, to put the ball in, in Wilson's hand and try to try to get more turnovers. Um, I think they're going to load the box up. It's going to make it hard to run on, on, on them. And they're going to force Zach Wilson to probably pass the ball because they know that it's going to be one of their weaknesses. So I don't think that we're looking at a, a starry finish here for the jets this week. Billy makes a great point. I mean, sometimes when you have a bad quarterback and you decide to go run heavy, it's kind of a zero-sum game because you get increased rushing volume, but you get decreased efficiency because the other team is going to load up the box against you. And I think that's what's probably going to happen this week. Yeah, I I, I agree with you there. It uh, could be very ugly for Zach Wilson. Not looking forward to watching that, unfortunately. Before we move on to our final tier, football is back. It is week two and our fantasy season is in full swing. And while we love watching hours and hours of our favorite games on TV, there is nothing better than catching a game live and in person. And the best way to get tickets to any of these games is on Game Time, the official ticketing partner of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. For last minute, amazing deals on tickets to see your favorite football team this September, download Game Time. And as you've heard us say before, it's not just football. Game Time has tickets to baseball games, concerts, and comedy shows across the country. Download the Game Time app and redeem code Fantasy Pros for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app and enter code Fantasy Pros, all one word, for $20 off. All right, we'll go ahead and close out here with the F tier. Um, it's kind of ironic that the F tier is literally just the LA Rams tier for us. We've got Cam Akers and Kyron Williams. I To call it the F tier for the Rams, I'm sorry. I feel like we're just kind of picking on them right there. But there is, despite the fact that it's only two guys, there is some controversy here. Um, very interesting. So let's, let's talk it out here. We've got ECR with uh, Cam Akers as RB36. Billy, you are right on track there at RB35. And Pat, you were not feeling Cam Akers this week at RB45. Go ahead, Billy. I'll let you uh, start this one off. Yeah, 35. I was actually surprised to see him in, in when he came out on the model at this high. I was expecting more like 39 to 40, quite frankly. Um, it's going to... 
it's it's not looking good right now for Cam Akers. And I've I've kind of been a big Kyron fan this season. I thought that he was going to be involved in the passing game. Um, I just did not think it was going to be heavily skewed that way. So he saw 5.4% of the target share last week. Cam Akers saw zero. And so if we're seeing zero from Cam Akers on a week-to-week basis, then I, it's going to be hard for him to hit that you know top 35, top 30 RB number where he was being drafted at inside of, of drafts in the fall. Um, but he did see 55% of the carry share, which was promising. Uh, Kyron did see 37.5. Um, that being said, they are facing my Niners this week. We saw how stout they were last week against Pittsburgh. Uh, Over-under is 44.5, so kind of middle of the road in terms of total fantasy points. Implied total for the Rams is about 18.25, so not liking the chances of a Cam Maker score. But if they do get down to the goal line, um, it's probably going to be Kyron Williams again. So I think that RB35 is probably as high as that Cam Maker is going to go in my weekly projection model. Um, and I could see him as more news and data comes out that we're probably going to see him shift closer to Pat's number. Yeah. Um, I'm a Cam Akers truther and I'm just going to take the L on that right away. Um, Kyron Williams outsnapped Cam Akers 26 to four in the first half of the Rams week one opener. Um, and Akers wound up with 22 carries because Sean McVay basically let him salt the game away in the fourth quarter when the Rams were playing with the lead throughout. Um, also, the 49ers are a skull and crossbones matchup against opposing running backs. Like this is a this is a matchup you truly want to avoid because the 49ers completely stuff the run. And if you are going to go into the teeth of this bad matchup, you want to do it with a running back who at least is active in the passing game, which Cam Akers is not. That's the Kyron Williams role. Do not start Cam Akers this week. So speaking of Kyron Williams, our only other player in the F's tier, is this just negative Cam Akers matchup and the situation and this, uh, you know, the volume being taken away from him? Or does this have you pushing Kyron Williams up a little bit higher? Do you, do you feel more positively about him? I mean, I was starting to get the vibes on Kyron Williams sort of late in draft season, so I added him quite a bit. And uh, if you're a Cam Akers investor, you had to have had a sense of deja vu in that season opener, which was a lot like the 2022 season opener when we were expecting Cam Akers and Cam Akers stood on the sideline and watched Daryl Henderson take pretty much every snap for the Rams in the, uh, the, the Thursday night season opener last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Kyron is the more valuable asset here. Yeah, I have Kyron at 37. Um, so just a couple spots below Cam Akers. Um, like I said, these numbers are probably going to swap um, as we get closer to the game and we get a little bit more data and the, and the over-under um, gets updated. But I do think that Kyron is the more valuable option this week in the passing game. And then not to mention, we, we saw all the goal line usage he got as well. So um, anytime you have the goal line back and the passing down back, that's the back you want to focus on. All right, guys. So, yeah, we were going to do another ranking from me and the difference there, but it was actually James Connor who I, um, you know, agreed with Billy that I'm a little bit higher on him. So the only other thing that I'll do is I'll maybe pivot here. Um, the other guy that I would like to rank higher this week, but I'm having a tough time getting there just because he's already, you know, decently high in ECR. James Connor, guys, talk me out of doing James Conner to the moon. It was a difficult matchup last week against the Jets. But despite the difficult matchup, I was happy with what I saw out of him. You know, mainly the fact that we didn't see, you know, a lot of involvement from Damian Harris, Latavius Murray. We saw, you know, production on the ground for James Cook and volume through the air for him, you know, given a better matchup coming up. Why will James Conner not be an RB1? You mean James Cook? Or James Cook, yes, James Cook. I, I have him inside of the the RB one mix this week. Um, so I I think that it's a get right game. Um, Buffalo just did not look great last week, but he did see fifty four and a half percent of the rushing share. He saw fifteen point four percent of the target share. Uh, I think we can can I think we're going to look at a bounce back week for James Cook and Buffalo. So I like the 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 outlook for James Cook this week. I have him as RB nine. I'm with you guys here. I don't rank him quite as high, but he's definitely within my starts, uh, regardless range uh, in the ranking. So yeah, like better outlook for him this week. And the usage we saw in week one was pretty consistent with what we saw in the preseason where Cook was pretty clearly the lead guy. And, and it's not going to be a timeshare situation with Damian Harris at all, I don't think. 
Sounds good. All right. That wraps things up for our running back rankings. If you have any questions about lineups or trades, we are live each and every Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, 12 p.m. PST, taking your questions. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash fits. Let's dive into the wide receiver rankings. As a reminder, our consensus rankings can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. So make sure that you go check that out after the show. Now, before we dive into our S tier for wide receivers, if you want a chance to win a signed Tyreek Hill, Miami Dolphins jersey, courtesy of bettingpros.com, your place to start betting smarter and not harder, you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below on this video, and that is it. We'll be announcing the winner right here on the channel, so make sure you turn on those notifications so you can be alerted when new episodes are up and to claim your prize. Now we'll go ahead and jump into the S tier. I thought I'd start us off with the Tyreek giveaway because S tier starts off with none other than Tyreek Hill, followed by Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown. There's no real disagreements here, guys. I mean, how, how are you guys feeling about the S tier? It's, it's, it's solid. It's stacked. It's shock. Yeah, the Cadillac tier of wide receivers. No question. You're playing all these guys every week. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, if you're playing DFS, which ones do you pick? Yeah, lo- love the chalk tier is what I call it. And, um, you know, we're playing these guys every week. Uh, we're expecting big games in them every week. And uh, sometimes they're shuffled, you know, first, second, third. It doesn't really matter. I think there's an argument made for any of them. Um, and so I think it's just a matter of how you want to separate them. All right, jumping into the A tier. We do have a little controversy in the A tier here. We have Calvin Ridley, Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, Jalen Waddell, Devonte Adams, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf. Still a fantastic tier, but I want to pull out Chris Olave here. ECR, wide receiver eight. Pat, you're online with that, wide receiver nine. Billy, you have him at wide receiver 13. Is there some skepticism around Chris Olave in this matchup? Uh, it breaks down just to implied total. It also breaks down to Derek Carr just not looking great last week. Um, uh, maybe we see him a little bit more improved and a little bit more efficiencies here uh, in, in week two, but um, I'm just not completely sold on Derek Carr right now. I think that uh, eventually we'll see a lot of probably move up maybe a tick uh, come Sunday game time, but um, preliminary rankings have him right now at wide receiver 13. Um, he did see a nice healthy 30.3 target share with 10 targets. Um, you know, I'm projecting closer to 26% this week, um, but uh, I think overall I like him. He finishes wide receiver 14 last last week with uh, 112 yards. There was no score there. So if, if he's going to get into that, that upper echelon, we're going to need to see a score. And so implied total, a little bit harder to hit, but I definitely think it's possible. Yeah, uh, eight catches for 112 yards. And now he gets a Carolina Panthers defense that just lost cornerback J.C. Horn, one of the better cover men in the league, to a hamstring injury. So I think Olave is going to be a smash play this week. Poor J.C. Horn. He just can't seem to stay healthy injury after injury. Uh, Michael Thomas, does that have any effect that you guys, you know, where he's healthy, he's still healthy. He played a good percentage of snaps. He, you know, saw a decent amount of targets um, early on. It looked like he might be the favorite in the eyes of Derek Carr, but then we eventually saw things even out. Um, any worries that we could see some, you know, further involvement from Michael Thomas as he you know, moves forward this season? Yeah, I, I think we will see him more and more involved. He saw 24.2% of the target share last week, uh, eight total targets. Uh, projected, I would still have him around the 22.5%, but um, he was kind of the favorite early in the game, and I was a little concerned with where I had ranked Olave um, for the week, but it's kind of slowly but surely Olave's talent kind of crept through. Um, but we could see Michael Thomas also be the benefit of of this, you know, depleted Carolina defense. But um, I think it all depends on what they're able to do on the ground as well. So we'll see how they attack uh, the game plan. But I do think that Michael Thomas will be involved. Yeah, I mean, I really love Chris Olave, the player, and I try to not get too caught up in the too many mouths to feed narrative sometimes. But boy, there are an <laughs> awful lot of mouths to feed now with, uh, you know, New Orleans having a healthy Michael Thomas. Rashid Shahid looked terrific in week one. Uh, Juwan Johnson was somewhat involved. 
Alvin Kamara is going to be back in a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think that might just prevent Olave from having, like, top five upside. But I still think he's got, like, wide receiver one upside. The guy's just too good. The run game was mentioned there. You know, is it possible? You know, Pat, we kind of talk about them attacking the secondary, but we also saw how, now granted, it's Atlanta. We saw how Atlanta attacked them on the ground as well and was highly successful with it. Jamal Williams in that matchup against Tennessee was absolutely dreadful, but unfortunately that was kind of, you know, predictable. Tennessee does have a stronger run defense. Um, If Derek Carr is a little bit shaky, is it possible that they maybe lean on the run a little bit more in this game? Yeah, it's possible. And if the game script goes favorably and uh, the Saints open up a big lead, but I do wonder like how run heavy they can be if, you know, with Alvin Kamara already missing and if Kendra Miller isn't able to play in this one, because really, I mean, I think the backup running back to um, Jamal Williams is probably effectively Taysom Hill. (laughs) Yes. And and like, I don't know if I don't know if they want to run Taysom Hill like a dozen times in this game. So I have a feeling it's going to be kind of a balanced offense no matter what, un- unless they, you know, go up by two or three scores. <laughs> it is Taysom yeah. Hill. He saw 11.1% of the carries uh, last week in the, in the opportunity department. And then Rashid Shahid was actually the RB3 at 7.4%. Tony Jones only saw 3.7. So I do think that we're going to see a combination of Jamal Taysom and probably some Rashid Shahid again. And so I don't think we're going to see them ground and pound quite like Atlanta, but I do think that they may lean into Jamal knowing that they get Alvin Kamara back in a couple weeks. Poor Tony Jones can't even pass Rashid Shahid. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the B tier, we've got Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Amari Cooper, Garrett Wilson, Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett. This is a very interesting tier here. We've got Brandon Ayuk, who's coming off of that magnificent game uh, where he really asserted himself as that final breakout performance that we were truly hoping to see from him. Uh, T Higgins with the exact opposite of zero Amari Cooper with the kind of game, but then Garrett Wilson, again, we know the controversy here with Garrett Wilson. Unfortunately, no longer without, he is no longer with Aaron Rodgers. ECR has him ranked at wide receiver 18. Pat, you're at wide receiver 15. Billy, you're at wide receiver 30 on Garrett Wilson. Yeah, Tara, uh, you did an excellent job of finding the Achilles heel in my week two <laughs> rankings. Uh, you know, that that one spot not covered by armor and you totally pierced me with the arrow here. I saw Billy's ranking for Garrett Wilson and immediately thought, oh man, I'm, I'm way too high here. Uh, so yeah, I don't, Totally want to write off Garrett Wilson's season just because Aaron Rodgers is is done for the year. But, um, I mean, Wilson did have 1,100 yards last year playing with Zach Wilson and, and Mike White and Joe Flacco. But the Jets passing game has this nightmare week two matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. And um, the Cowboys can absolutely terrorize quarterbacks. And, and we saw Dallas make Daniel Jones look like a Canadian Football League quarterback in week one. So um, what are they going to do to Zach Wilson? Like, yeah, mea culpa. I have Garrett Wilson ranked way too high. I am going to adjust that and move him down. Man, I'm probably starting him still in most circumstances, unless I'm in like an A-team league. But um, I'm not feeling real good about it this week. Yeah, this is a really tough matchup. I mean, Dallas just absolutely annihilated the Giants. And I think that this front is just so deadly. I don't even think that uh, Wilson's going to be able to have time to process, let alone throw the ball well. And Garrett Wilson, we saw last week, um, really was bailed out by that touchdown. Wide receiver 22 and a half point PPR, um, only five targets, five receptions, only 34 yards. So if he doesn't get that touchdown, he's well outside the wide receiver 30 mark where I have him ranked this week. Um, and, you know, always going to always going to point to the implied total as well. 41 and a half. That means that they're um, seven and a half point dogs. So it means the Jets are implied totals at 17. Um, not looking good from a number perspective, uh, at least the, on the positive side, we saw Garrett Wilson see 27.8% of the target share. Um, unfortunately, that 27.8 was only five targets. So um, when we when we have an offense that's not able to throw the ball uh, a lot, this this number is going to be low. And so um, the opportunity itself is, is going to be limited and the ceiling is going to be limited. So I'm not sold on Garrett Wilson in week two. Uh, to pass point, I don't think a season is completely over, but I definitely think that um, had we had the crystal ball prior to week one, I think that Garrett Wilson probably would be more of a uh, wide receiver 
two, knowing that there's no Aaron Rodgers in town. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the running back portion of the show. You know, it, it's possible they rely on the run, but again, this is just a terrible matchup for you know anyone to really thrive in this. So I'm, I'm with you guys on Garrett Wilson. He will be below ECR for me as well. Before we move on to our next tier, Pat and I were just talking about this uh, before the podcast. Where I live, it is pretty much always summer and summertime. Barbecues are the perfect time to enjoy time with friends and nothing goes better with barbecue and friends than Miller Lite. Miller Lite is the 96 calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for everything summer has to offer. Miller Lite is the perfect light beer for all beer lovers and always. As soon as you take your sip, that day, the barbecue, conversation with friends, it just gets instantly better. Whether you're spending long afternoons behind the grill or watching the person who is actually on the grill, live those summer moments with Miller Lite and let the great taste of Miller Lite hit your taste buds so hard that you feel it in your heart. With a Miller Lite in your hand, summertime doesn't just taste great, it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Fantasy Pros. That's MillerLite.com slash Fantasy Pros. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right, let's jump into the next tier, our C tier. Still not a bad option. I see some of our favorites in here. Um, we lead off with DeAndre Hopkins, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Mike Evans, a favorite here that we are all drafting. Zay Flowers on this show, very pro Zay Flowers, Jahan Dotson, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, and George Pickens. So there's a couple guys in this tier that I want to pull out right here. Um, we'll start off with DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, you know, if anybody watched that Tennessee game, it was tough to watch Brian Tannehill. Um, ECR has him at wide receiver 22. Pat, you've got him right on track there with the wide receiver 23. Billy, wide receiver 14. Tell us why you are so pro DeAndre Hopkins, other than the obvious. Um, I, I like DeAndre Hopkins overall involvement in the offense. Um, we saw Traylon Burks kind of lack last week. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has inserted himself as the alpha. And um, I just don't think that that's going to stop. We saw the chemistry that they were able to build in the offseason. Um, and although it was, you know, a less than stellar performance last week, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I'm expecting to come back this week. So he did see a total of 39.4% of the target share last week. Uh, that's unsustainable, but if we can even expect somewhere closer to 28, 29%, um, we're talking about elite, you know, level of production or not production, but elite level of, of, of opportunity from the wide receiver. Um, if we can see anything over 30%, then we're talking about some of the, the highest involvement in the offense across the league. Um, and yes, it is the Tennessee Titans and the volume is, is not quite there in comparison to other teams. Um, but you still like to see the, an overall involvement. Um, they are facing the chargers. So we are expecting a higher over under 45 and a half. Um, and if we can see them kind of playing catch up this week and playing from behind, I like like the the thirty percent line when they're probably going to be closer to that 35, 36 attempts if if they're going to be playing from behind all games. So, uh, like Hopkins, like the implied total, like the overall over under, and I think that it's a smash play this week. Yeah. So wide receiver twenty three, I do have Hopkins ranked as a low end wide receiver two. I can't quite get to where Billy is on high end wide receiver two, and I realize the matchup looks pretty good. the The Chargers pass defense was absolutely flambéed by the uh, Miami Dolphins and, and Tua Tungavailoa last week. But the Titans passing game looked really alarmingly bad against the Saints in week one. And, and we suspected the Titans were going to have one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League. And week one did nothing to dispel that uh, preconceived notion about how, how much trouble they were going to have with blocking, pass protecting. And Ryan Tannehill looked pretty awful. So... I think people should start Hopkins in most cases, but I'm not wildly confident in any component of the Tennessee passing game. Yeah, I feel you on that. I, I get the arguments from both sides. I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins, and he was the clear wide receiver one in that offense. It's just, you know, are we trusting Ryan Tannehill to generally look better this week? Uh, the next one that I want to talk about here, uh, this one is a guy that, if you know me and Pat, we are watching. We were watching this game, Black Hawks, the Green Bay Packers. 
and the Chicago Bears. We're not going to talk about the Packers because, you know, all that was positive. We're going to talk about DJ Moore and the differences that we have on him, you know, compared to ECR. I'm, I'm with you. I'm tipping my hat before I even give the actual ranking. Let me give that first. We've got wide receiver 23 for DJ Moore. Billy, you are wide receiver 35. Pat, you are wide receiver 17. I'm not going to lie, Pat. I am on your side on this one. Breakdown for why you have DJ Moore at wide receiver 17. Oh, but Tara, we are going to talk about the Green Bay Packers here. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about the way that they chose to handle pass coverage against the Bears in week one. Now, I thought we might see a lot of zone defense from the Packers because zone allows defenders to face the line of scrimmage and react more quickly to a quarterback who likes to run, as is the case with Justin Fields. But no, the Packers played a lot of man coverage against the Bears in week one, and they had Jair Alexander, one of the best pure cover men in the game, shadow DJ Moore uh, on, on most, the vast majority of his snaps. Alexander is just great. I mean, remember, he was doing the gritty against Justin Jefferson late last year when, uh, you know, he manned up on on J.J. in that second meeting between the Packers and the Vikings in the regular season and pretty much shut him down. So um, I'm not going to panic over D.J. Moore. Like, in fact, I think maybe getting shut down in week one lights a fire under him for week two. And uh, the Fields to Moore connection was reportedly working great in training camp we saw some of that in the preseason they looked really sharp together um so this is not the time to bail out on dj Moore. i think you go right back to the well with him and do not panic bench him in week two billy have we convinced you or how you feeling <laughs> no i just see the problem is that i'm just like i love dj Moore as a talent i thought this was a lateral move when they went out and acquired him in the offseason and i said it all offseason i'm going to continue to say it is that Justin's fields and, and this he actually threw a lot more in week one than we expected but it was because of the game script and playing from behind but um he still didn't look the greatest as a passer and so when we know that this is his weakness and his strength is on the ground um it's it's you know we saw them finally move the ball when he was utilizing his legs um because when he was throwing the ball, he was actually just using his running backs as the outlet. And so um, DJ Moore only saw 5.7% of the target share last week. I know that's not going to happen again. That was purely because Jerry Alexander, um, he's typically around that 26% target share. Um, and I think I have him projected for 24% this week. Um, that being said, though, the running back usage inside of the passing game was a little alarming in terms of DJ Moore's potential future output because we saw Khalil Herbert at 14 point three percent we even saw dante foreman at 8.6 percent which never happens that guy is usually like a sub two to three percent target share kind of guy and roshan johnson in his first game saw a 20 percent target share so what does this tell me it tells me that they're trying to build the confidence of justin fields as a passer and they're using those running backs as outlets um, and or the line isn't able to hold up long enough for him to let a play develop and so if we continue to see that throughout the season i have major concerns with dj moore i'm not benching him quite yet i'm still playing him um, but that being said, I think I do have a little bit of concern if I'm a fantasy manager. I get that. It seemed you know we might have overestimated the jump that Chicago made with their moves in the offseason. They still have some stuff to work through, and I think that's what we're seeing live. Jumping to the uh, D tier here, Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton, Gabe Davis, Michael Thomas, Drake London. Brandon Cooks and Jordan Addison. I mean, there are some up and down names in here, but the one that I want to pull out here is Brandon Cooks. Uh, we've got him at wide receiver. You know, it's kind of, this one is interesting. You guys are on very opposite ends, um, very disagreeing with ECR. ECR has him wide receiver 37. Billy, you've got him wide receiver 28, so you're feeling more confident. And Pat, you've got him wide receiver 48. You are on the opposite ends of the spectrum with ECR. Let's duke it out. <laughs> Yeah, I'll start here first. Brandon Cooks is kind of always quietly one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL, continues to just put up 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, Got to like the offense now, and uh, what Dallas is going to be able to do is him as the number two here, and he no longer has to be that number one. Uh, he only saw 16% of the target share last week, but they also didn't really have to move the ball down the field because their defense was just dominating that matchup, as we've said uh, in, in previous podcasts. But that being said, we still expect him to be a large part of, of the, 
of the game plan, projecting a 23% target share. Um, and we know they're facing the Jets this week. And so I don't think that they're necessarily going to have to rely on the passing game, but I do like his chances of, of being over that wide receiver 30 mark. Um, I, I think overall, always underrated. And I think that he's going to come through again for fantasy managers. Yeah, and I don't like to sort of go all in with matchups when I'm deciding whether to start or bench someone. I think a lot of people tend to overplay matchups, but however, the the Jets are a matchup. Like if I'm on the fence about a player, like I am siding on benching my quarterbacks and wide receivers against the Jets because they have a terrific set of cornerbacks with Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, and Michael Carter II, and they can get pressure on quarterbacks without blitzing. I mean, they just have a ferocious pass rush. So as brutal a matchup as the Jets are for wide receivers and quarterbacks, like, um, you know, it's different with a wide receiver one. Like, I'm not going to bench CeeDee Lamb this week. And we saw Stephon Diggs have a nice game against the Jets in week one. But Gabe Davis was pretty quiet in week one. And so I don't really want to start the wide receiver two for the Cowboys this week. Um, You know, Cooks is certainly playable in neutral or favorable matchups. I don't want to play him this week against the Jets. Yeah, I get that as well. Moving on to the F tier. It's a big tier here. There's some promise and interesting names, but we'll pull out one name in particular in this group. Um, Going through the tier real quick, Elijah Moore, Marquise Brown, Nico Collins, Romeo Dobbs, Puka Nakua, Odell Beckham Jr., Traylon Burks, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Jones, Sky Moore, Christian Watson and Jerry Judy. The name that I wanted to pull out of here, uh, it's the biggest name of the week, quite honestly. It's Puka Nakua. Well, we won't bury the lead there. Um, we've got ECR, and there's no disagreement from you guys. So you guys just wax poetically about how you're more positive than ECR, who has him at wide receiver 43. Billy, you've got him wide receiver 31. And Pat, you've got him wide receiver 23 or 33. 15 targets, just like we all drew it up last week, 119 <laughs> yards. Um, no, I'm kidding. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, but I, I do like his, his usage. Um, it's, it was, it was really impressive actually. 40.5 target share Pat last week for Puka Nakua at 15 targets. Uh, I don't expect that to continue. That's of course unsustainable, but 25, 27% is realistic now on a week to week basis. So the model is being updated, uh, consistently with more data with Puka Nakua. Uh, that being said, we talked about this game script earlier. Um, they, are facing my beloved 49ers um, and we are expecting a negative game script yet again and so if that continues we could anticipate the Rams throwing pretty heavily again playing catch up we know that they're not going to be leaning into Cam Akers we saw that you know mess last week with with Kyron Williams stepping in as well and so I'm going to be targeting the wide receivers and the pass catchers in this matchup we know the Niners are very stout against the run they're very stout against the tight end so the receivers in the secondary is where they're vulnerable and I think that Puka Nakua is probably going to make another splash in week two in 2023. Yeah, Tara, I love that you are choosing to close the show with Puka talk. <laughs> and Billy, I love that you are actually even higher on Puka than I am, which I didn't think was possible. Um, 15 targets. Yes, that is the most by a rookie receiver since the NFL began keeping track of targets. Uh, and it wasn't like Puka was going up against some team with a blatantly terrible pass defense like Seattle. Maybe not a lights out pass defense, but it's not like they're the Cardinals or the Titans. It's it's a respectable pass defense. And it's funny, I tweeted out something yesterday about Puka being the priority waiver ad for this week. And of course, I heard from a lot of contrarians like, oh, this is classic week one overreaction. Just wait till Cooper Cup comes back and Puka's going to totally disappear. First of all, if you think Cooper Cup is just coming right back, totally good to go in week five. As soon as he's eligible to come off IR, you are really putting the fantasy in fantasy football. They sent him halfway across the country to see a specialist. I mean, that is not run-of-the-mill stuff. Like if the, the Rams medical staff thought it was just a normal hamstring injury, they wouldn't be sending him to a specialist. So Puka's got a really long runway here. And second of all, Puka naysayers need to go back and rewatch that game. Because he was getting the Cooper Cup usage in that game. Like Billy said, 40.5% target share. Matthew Stafford was force-feeding Puka the same way he normally feeds Cooper Cup. So that was not a fluky game. Uh, like, I'm 10 spots above ECR, and I'm probably still too low on Puka for Week 2. I feel that. He's Puka, Nakua, Cup. That is what we dub him now. 
Before we close out the show, I'll give you one of my favorites that I am higher on than ECR. I'll do it really quick here. Wide receiver eight is where I have Keenan Allen. He's a top 10 receiver for me. It's not that different than ECR that has him at wide receiver 13. But again, we've got the possibility of Austin Eckler not playing. And we just really saw the Chargers rely aggressively on that ground game. We didn't see, we saw some volume, but not a ton. But we did see Keenan Allen, healthy Keenan Allen, be the clear wide receiver one and the dominating force within that receiving core. And I think that continues this week. So that is one that I am absolutely loving. All right, guys. And that wraps things up for our weekly ranking show. If you want to see more advice from Pat, and check out his rankings, just go to fantasypros.com slash fits. And if you have any questions about lineups or trades, we are live each and every single Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, 12 p.m. PST, taking your questions. We appreciate you tuning in for Pat Fitzmorris for Billy Muzio. I'm Tara Roberts. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.